For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Today we continue our journey through the book of Matthew and we find ourselves at the story of the rich young ruler. And I'm actually going to jump in right away to, to reading it um, and starting right with the story. And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. Um, this isn't saying that Jesus' divinity is in question at all. Um, I think Jesus is responding in this way to be calling this young man out um, to reflect on his words and the, his choice of words. So there's only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then Peter said in reply, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Jesus said to him, them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you, will have, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my sake will, will receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. I've always loved this story. Um, actually, when I was a kid, I used to wish that Jesus would just ask me to sell all I have and give to the poor. Um, granted, I didn't really have a lot to sell and give to the poor. Um, and so stepping back and looking at that, you know, I thought this would be so easy. I can do this. I can follow Jesus by doing this. I can follow this rule. Um, but the truth is it wouldn't have been a sacrifice. It wasn't me giving up something that I was holding on to tightly um, and giving, giving God the reins. Um, this, this text is not a descriptive text saying that in order to be a Christian, in order to follow Jesus, everybody must sell what they have and give to the poor. No, this, this text is looking at, at the heart of our understanding of who God is um, and also really looking at who we have as Lord of our lives. The rich young ruler in this story had great moral and financial wealth. Um, he's, he's a young man who has seemingly everything and yet he's still searching for more. Um, and I, I think, you know, I read this, he was so close, like so physically close. Um, he was talking face to face with Jesus, asking what he needed to do. Um, it almost seems that he should have had it right there. Um, he kept a lot of commandments, and let's just say that the people around him would have vouched for him, saying, yeah, he, he really is this good of a guy. He does follow these commandments. Um, 
he obviously financially was doing well, so some may have said that his financial status was maybe in response to good things that he had done previously too, that it had been a financial blessing for good deeds. Um, he's just kind of a guy that seems to have it all together. And yet he still lacks something. He's still, he's still looking for more. Um, he had respect. He was rich. He was young, but he had authority. Um, he was a good man with influence. And he's looking. I think he, he comes in in the story and he's at the right place at the right time, talking to the right person and asking almost the right question. He just, he seems so close. And he, then he asks, what must I do? So here he is, he's attained wealth, respect, authority. Now he also wants to attain salvation. It almost comes across like there's this business transaction. Hey, like you're the good teacher. You're the guy that I, that I need to talk to. You tell me what I need to do. I'll do it. You give me eternal life. We'll call it good. Um, but it's not a business transaction. Our salvation is not something that we can just trade in. Um, in James 1 verse 27, it says, uh, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. But we know we're unable to be pure and faultless. Um, we know that we're unable to keep ourselves from being polluted by the world and from being influenced. And so Jesus takes this question, he kind of crushes the views that this man has of what salvation is, of what following Jesus is. And I think a lot of people kind of have this belief that, that Christianity is, is this thing you can do. Um, it's something you can add to your life. It's a religious step that you can take. Um, you know, everything's going well, but there's maybe this one last box that you need to check off. Uh, life is good, but just one more thing to add and then I'll be set. Um, but I, I think Jesus wants to come in and just radically change our lives. Um, he's, he's not just a token that we add um, to what we already deem is good. But how often do we do this? Um, we look to see what we can add. We look to see how we can be better ourselves. Um, but Isaiah 64, 6 says, you know, our, our righteousness is like filthy rags. Even at the height of our goodness, when we're doing everything that we think we can to be the best that we can be, we're nothing in comparison to Jesus. And yet he still loves us. Um, in Mark's account of this story, Mark 10 verse 21, he writes, Jesus looked at him and loved him and said, sell all you have. Jesus still loves us even though he recognizes, he sees right through us. He recognizes we are not good even when we think we are. But then the disciples asked too, well, if, if such a good guy who has influence and money and power, all kinds of wealth in, in really different areas, if he's out, then who's in? I think we've all met people that they seem to have it all together. Um, and yet they're still looking for something more. There's still something that is lacking. Timothy Keller words it really well. He says, with the real message of the gospel, you find two things that are always shocking. It demands more than you thought, and it offers more than you thought. Jesus wants more from you than you ever thought, and he offers more to you than you've ever dreamed. You can bow down in wonder and give yourself to him, or you can go away offended. Jesus says there is only one who is good. 
He knows that this man is known as a good man, and he flips it around saying, but it doesn't matter how good you are, the rule is that you follow. There's only one who is good. There's only one who can redeem and only one who can make us holy. I think Jesus was really quite brilliant in, in the way he presented the order of commandments. When he says, you know, you've, you've heard of the Ten Commandments. You, you know these things you shouldn't do. And, and the man says, well, yeah, I've, I've done all these things since I was a boy. I'm, I'm good. And I think Jesus goes, oh, you are. Okay, let's look at the first commandment. Let's look at the first two commandments here. You know, love the Lord your God. Have no other gods before me. How you doing? Do you have no other gods before me? Are you loving me with your whole heart? Because if you are, sell what you have and come follow me. And this man can't. Um, there's there's this, this pride that stands in the way. And I think this realization too that, you know, he's, he's not following all Ten Commandments like he thought he was. He wasn't as good as he thought he was because we aren't. We can't follow the law perfectly and... That's even proven here by a really good guy who wasn't doing the first two commandments. He loved himself and he loved his money more. So he was actually far from keeping all the Ten Commandments like, like I think he genuinely probably thought. Turns out he was, he was a sinner like the rest of us. So no, it's not a rule that you need to give up all your money and sell to the poor. It's not that this is, this is the thing that you have to do and it's a descriptive thing telling all of us what we need to do. Jesus is looking at a heart issue here. So it's not just money. It could, could be anything. Um, money, fame, looks, sex, work, status. Any, any monster that we allow to have a higher place than our love for God in our lives. I think there's, there can be this power struggle between God and our dreams. Between God and what we deem most important. And the, the thing is that Jesus wants what we think is most important. We want... He wants us to give that up and make sure that he's in that rightful place. That to, to us, when we look at Jesus, Jesus is what is most important. There is no other God before him. I think until we can give these things to God, we can't really have the closeness that we desire. Not only that, but I think then we, we have this, this monster that's slowly eating away at us. When our deepest desires are not Christ, we set up other things that get our attention and our pursuit. They start to consume us. So are you willing to part with anything in your life for Jesus? For this man, it was to not to have this money. Um, for Abraham to be willing to give up his son. Um, maybe it's giving up a dream job. Maybe it's, give, it's giving up uh, friendships or house or where you're living or, or status anything. Are we putting other things before Jesus? Do we have things that we need to give up? This rich young man, he lacked. He was lacking his treasure in heaven. He needed to trade his earthly treasures to have that treasure in heaven. He was lacking giving Jesus lordship of his life. So then what ended up happening is this status and wealth that this man had, this, this goodness that this man had, it all paled in comparison to what God can actually offer. If, if the man loved God and other people more than he did his property and his wealth and his status, he would have been willing to give all that up in order to follow God. But he didn't. And he allowed his wealth to become a monster with incredible power in his life. 
You may not be wealthy. Um, it may not be these riches or the status that you have that you feel you need to give up. But if there's something that you possess or something that maybe possesses you, you're called to surrender. We are called to surrender, to give God our all. And then he calls us gently to come and follow him. The rich young ruler needed a savior. He needed Jesus to be Lord of everything in his life. He needed to relinquish what he thought were his rights, uh, relinquish you know, his earnings and his desires. And so do we. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this story. Thank you for the, the example that you give. Uh, may we not read it and sit with judgment that, that this man came so close to you but turned away to choose money over you. Um, Lord, as painful as it may be, can you highlight the areas where we do the same, where we choose things over you, um, where we give priority to things that really have no um, eternal lasting value in comparison to you. Um, may we give those up and pursue you. you may you be our, our prophet and our priest and our king. And can you teach us how to live in your freedom, in your joy, and in your abundance. In Jesus' name, amen.